You mentioned hope. Hope is the key that will unlock that door and let me walk away from discouragement. That's what I found. It's a very simple promise. If you don't drink today and tomorrow, one day at a time, you will always have hope. When I came into my first meeting, I had no hope. I had been walking around for the longest time with the weight of a dead soul. And I just got up every day and thought, it's never going to get better. It can only get worse. That first time I stuck my head into a room and looked around, I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe my ears. I saw a bunch of uh, ordinary looking men. They were happy and they were talking with each other. And it looked like I'd come in on a, some kind of family reunion, except there was no alcohol. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On this show... We try to provide inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. Through the lens of the Daily Reflection book, we are not aligned with any 12-step recovery program, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Kevin M. from Somerset, New Jersey. He shares on the concept of hope. Before we get to the episode, a small favor, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just take a moment and give us a rating. Let us know what you think of the podcast. That's going to help us continue to improve and continue to expand our reach hopefully reach more newcomers and more listeners. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy this episode. Good morning, Lee. How you doing? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing great. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, what do we have on the schedule today? So today we have Kevin M. from Somerset, New Jersey, here to share with us on the Daily Reflection for today, which is entitled Hope. Oh, fantastic. Well, Kevin, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Great to be here. Well, we start the the podcast in the same way every day, but we're going to mix it up a little bit. And I'm wondering if you could just introduce yourself to the audience and, and maybe let folks know who you are. My name's Kevin. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is January 4th, 2012. Um, I have had a sponsor since I uh, came into the program. Uh, his name is Ken B. And we like to joke because uh, he had nine years when I first came. I could not believe somebody had nine years. I thought he was full of BS. Uh, I couldn't see somebody getting nine minutes, much less nine years. And uh, this January 4th, I celebrated nine years. And so I remarked to him, I said, I haven't caught you yet. He says, you better not. You better keep facing me. (laughs) That's great. That's wonderful. Well, Kevin, once again, welcome to the show. Would you help us get started and read the daily reflection for today? We'd love to. Hope. Do not be discouraged. From Alcoholics Anonymous, page 60. Few experiences are less value to me than fast sobriety. Too many times, discouragement has been the bonus for unrealistic expectations, not to mention self-pity or fatigue from my wanting to change the world by the weekend. Discouragement is a warning signal that I may have wandered across the God line. The secret of fulfilling my potential is in acknowledging my limitations and believing that time is a gift not a threat. Hope is the key that unlocks the door of discouragement. The program promises me that if I do not pick up the first drink today, I will always have hope. Having come to believe that I keep what I share, every time I encourage, I receive courage. It is with others that with the grace of God and the fellowship of AA, I trudge the road of happy destiny. May I always remember that the power within me is far greater than any fear before me. May I always have patience, for I am on the right road. What's the thing that jumps out at you first? Wow. Um, You know, that phrase hope. 
when I came into my first meeting, I had no hope. I had been walking around for the longest time with the weight of a dead soul. I just got up every day and thought, it's never going to get better. It can only get worse. And uh, that first time I stuck my head into a room and looked around, couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe my ears. I saw a bunch of uh, ordinary looking men and uh, they were happy and they were talking with each other. And it looked like I come in on a uh, some kind of family reunion, except there was no alcohol. And uh, that that just, I had, I had reached the jumping off point. I had uh, had 13 and a half years without uh, a drink. And then uh, I had not changed anything. And it ended up with me getting fired. I, uh, I lasted for six or seven months after being fired. And then that Christmas day, I picked up a, a glass of wine and said, I'm going to have a glass of wine. And uh, all my family had forgotten. Uh, you know, my daughter had never seen me uh, drinking. Everybody's like, sure, dad, you deserve it. Somebody had mentioned earlier today, uh, you know, oh, could you, so you, you could have one. And that, that's my problem. I could never have one. I was off to the races. And it was seven years before I came out of that. The idea of walking around with that, that, that weight of that dead soul and thinking and believing that it's never going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Hanging out of that was just, just awful. So that's what caught me. And, uh, that next phrase, do not be discouraged. That just, <laughs> that to me, it sounded like echoes from the, the New Testament. That message, that message of hope. I, I, I can't explain it. It's like, uh, yeah, for as long as I have not had a drink, one day at a time, I have hope. I have a feeling that I get up in the day and that things are going to be better. Uh, as they say, more will be revealed and that uh, I can go out and do something for others. And that's, that's part of what makes a perfect day. Kevin, how old were you when you came into the program? <laughs> well, I was in the first blush of youth, you know, old enough to know better, too young to uh, to resist. I was 62 years old. Wow. That's a lot of years of drinking and, and a lot of dry years. Yeah. But uh, you know, I like to tell people is that I'm not a poster child for coming in early, but I am a poster child for coming in. And uh, it's never, never too early. It's never too late. And uh, I can tell somebody, and most of the people I meet in the program are, are, are younger than me. Is that you don't have to you don't have to clock in and, and punch that card to get every every last day of misery. You can stop now. You can stop now. You don't you don't have to walk around and, and, and miss out on all the joys that are there. Only stop drinking. And this is the place where you can learn how to stop drinking. And they mention this phrase, uh, fast sobriety. <laughs> you know. If only we were talking this morning and someone said, I came in and I just wanted to get it and get fixed and get out, get back to my drinking. And I was the same way. I didn't really come in with the thought I have to quit drinking. I just wanted the pain to stop. I wanted to feel better. You know, Bill talks like uh, we, we learn how to drink like a gentleman again. And I, I just now I just laugh and laugh about that. Bill Wilson was somebody who was, I hated his guts. I had never met the guy. But uh, the first time I, I raced through a reading of the big book, I just hated his guts. You know, Mr. Know-it-all, Mr. Smartass. And then, then I looked at the fact that he could, in today's terms, he could make a million, drop a million, and bounce back the next day and go, go back and do it again. But uh, it was just that he, he, had been, he had been to the same hell I was, and he'd come out of it. So I secretly wanted what he had. Unfortunately, it, was, it, was, it wasn't going to be handed to me. My, uh, my dream was that. Two people would show up one day, knock on the door and say, oh, Kevin, we're here from the AA. And they would just take me out the door and somehow there'd be a magical, magical wand or something. And it would just, I'd be cured. 
Then I go, go back and drink it just fine. When they talk about here, discouragement is a bonus. This is the other thing I love about you know, reading and rereading the literature of AA is that there is, there is an incredible amount of humor in there. When you talk about discouragement as being a bonus for unrealistic expectations. You know, one thing about alcoholics, when we, we meet each other for the first time, we did that, what, 20 minutes ago? And the first thing we did is somebody mentioned my name, we started to laugh. I call that the laugh of recognition. It's our, it's our bonding. I look at you, you look at me, and it's like, <laughs> we're alcoholics, folks. And uh, we instantly know each other. You know me as, as much as I know you. That's a, that's a big joke. Oh, yeah, I, I get a bonus. I get to be discouraged because I didn't <laughs> I didn't stop that that drinking one day at a time. Uh, unrealistic expectations, self pity, the, the fatigue because I can't change the world in an instant. That whole whole notion of being the stage manager and exactly exactly what I want. But uh, the other thing I've noticed in AA and its and its readings is that there's 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 always this little twist. What's terrible suddenly becomes a benefit, you know, this, this discouragement. And, and they say it's a, it's, a, it's a warning signal. We're crossing the line. We're crossing God's line. So, you know, you, somebody mentioned when we started this discussion that, boy, this is a thing that unpacks. And that's the beauty of these reflections. If, if, if you read this just like, okay, I'm going to read my daily reflection and walk on out the door, you might, you might as well, you know, forget about it, you know, go, go read something else. You know, when people say, oh, I can't meditate, and I go, can you breathe? They go, yeah. I said, well, you can meditate. Just take a breath and, and count, and I'll let it out. Take another breath and count. Are you thinking anything else? No. That's, that's meditating, folks. You just meditated. We'll work on levitation tomorrow. Today, we'll just, we'll just <laughs> we'll be happy with getting a gold star for meditating. Um, the big secret is that uh, the fulfillment of my potential comes from acknowledging my limitations and believing time's a gift threat. I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I'm a card-carrying alcoholic, and when you tell me there's limitations, uh, my first reaction is to tell you go to hell, because I'm the boss of me. I don't, I don't acknowledge any limitation. At least I didn't. Now I know I have, a, I have one big limitation, is that I, I can't have a drink. I can't have a single drink. If I, uh, I take that single drink, um, it's, like a, it's like a delayed fuse. And I know that because after 13 and a half years without a drink, I took a drink. And the, the world did not come to a screeching halt. Buildings did not topple over. Uh, Godzilla didn't come back from the dead and start tromping around the neighborhood or whatever. Everything was fine. And I snuck in my office and had a second drink, of course. And that, and that, that was my experience with alcohol. It didn't kill me. It didn't, it didn't take away so much as it just limited things. Uh, that's what they talk about, my full potential. Uh, alcohol took hold of me in my teenage years when I headed off for college. It, I was a willing victim, the happiest victim. I mean, if I was a sheep in, in line for the slaughterhouse, I would have been dancing on my hind legs because that's what alcohol is. You know, we got we, we drink it. We got to have it, you know, acknowledging limits. And, and time is not, not a threat. It's a gift. Boy, my potentials, you know, I started off, I started off with a, a full scholarship, valedictorian, high school, you know, and you think, you think you're some kind of hot, hot stuff. And, uh, that's not going to buy you a cup of coffee in the real world. And just because you can take tests well doesn't mean you're smart. And I, I found that out the hard way. You know, I started off in a, in, in a STEM program and I ended up in a, with an English literature. And well, I got a college degree, but it's like differences here where you could be and, and differences where I ended up. And that was the same thing, getting career started and moving on. I just couldn't do it. I had no, I, I had no confidence in myself. 
and I kept firing myself. I started off two years as a teacher and fired myself. And today I look back and go, maybe it has something to do with that six pack of beer you drank every night when you're trying to do lesson planning. It, it just it just doesn't work. And I try lots of things. I mean, every couple of years I was starting new careers and, and different things. Jumped out of uh, teaching. I got into the travel business. And, uh, that's where I that's where I uh, met my wife. And uh, when that got tough, I fired myself. I took a job as a in a wood shop. The one thing I, I never really appreciate was my ability to talk my way into doors and, and always get a job, e- even if I had no no capability. It's like yeah, I'll figure it out and. Uh, Eventually, uh, things you know things worked out. Making you know, making stuff, and I ended up selling furniture part time because we bought a house. And then next thing I know, I'm a full time furniture salesman. Then I'm the top salesman, and then they make me a manager. So, uh, and all this time I'm drinking. All this time I'm coming just to the edge, but not going over. Okay, I get called in. You know, a customer said they smelled alcohol in your breath. What are they talking about? I mean, she she was mad because I wouldn't give her a discount. Oh, okay. I was their top salesman, and uh, <laughs> I kept getting, I kept getting kicked upstairs, and I couldn't believe it. Then, then I went from store manager. I went to uh, the person who does all the buying and all the merchandising for the company. And the next thing I know, uh, this company overseas liked me and uh, and gave me a job to to run their U.S. Oper- set up and run their U.S. operation. It was a dream job. And I remember on that the day I went over for the interview, I had I <laughs> I blacked out. And what saved me? My boss was a worse alcoholic. <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable how these things work out. So uh, life went on, and, uh, <laughs> and then that then, then came the day where my uh, my favorite brother passed away, and I, I finally stopped drinking. By that time, I was not gonna I was not gonna take AA. I had two sisters who'd been in the program, so AA was for girls, and it was for losers. My brother my brother went into rehab. Uh, he got out of rehab, and then uh, within uh, three, three, three or four weeks, dropped out of a heart attack. Uh, it was for uh, girls and losers, so it wasn't going to be for me. I pulled it together. I did. I had a great success with the company. I was but all those little character things, uh, arrogance, <laughs> and uh, you know, I would I would pick fights with people. Can you imagine going out and make a customer call and picking a fight with a customer that's six foot four and getting in and throwing punches. Two of us. I'm I'm five eight, by the way. Just, it usually isn't going to work out well when you throw punches. Guy who's six foot four, but that was me. That was me. And eventually one day, uh, these guys uh, arrived on the plane from Norway and it was, uh, I think it was February 4th, cold, wet, snowy day. And there I was in my mid fifties out in the parking lot and I didn't have a job anymore. And uh, the drinking went right off the rails. Um, and I, I couldn't function. Plus, plus the winter really sucked. But the nice thing about uh, the area is that every place you went, <laughs> you could go, you could go to the opera. You go to the ballet, you go hear a concert, you walked in the door and there was a bar cart here and a bar cart there. These people were well fortified for the weather. So I drank and drank and drank. And after a year, I fired myself, came home. My father had died. Yeah. Other brother who was an alcoholic was soon to die. But I got jobs. I got another job. And this one took me out to California, closed the business down and relocated. And that was tough. Fired myself a year after that and uh, picked up with another company. This time I went to Dallas. Uh, it was it was when I first came in. Um, somebody I was listening to someone talk, and they talked about the geographical. And folks, that's that's what I was trying real hard. I was trying real hard. You know, if, if I could if I could outrace myself, but you know, damn, every time I unpacked the suitcase, uh, there was Kevin. Didn't it didn't work out. Came back, 
And uh, after a year, I tried to fire myself in Dallas and they wouldn't have it. They gave me another job. I say, we'd like you to open up an international business. Okay, now this is this is a dream if you're comfortable being an alcoholic because now you can fly on longer airplane rides and drink for free and get to you know more expensive hotels and drink for free. It just, fortunately, the recession came and they had to cut my travel budget. And I ended up in New York for the New York Territory and then uh, a couple of international. It got so bad one day. I remember I uh, come in from Penn Station. I, I passed a church. The church has been there for 150 years, but I just discovered it. I went in and uh, I walked in and there was this old Franciscan monk walking around in sandals. It was winter and we had a long talk. He put that bug in my head. AA. I told him, no, nah, I'm, too, I'm too busy. It was almost another year before I actually followed up on that. So, uh, you know, you get to be, a, you know, I'm lying on the floor every morning crying my heart out because I lost control. And it was that point one day my wife went to work and she looked at me and says, you know, you could try AA. And I go, no, no, I can't. She went to work and then a voice in my head said, God, I can't take this anymore. I need help. Please help me. Yeah, when you you mentioned hope, and uh, hope is the key that will unlock that door and let me walk away from discouragement. Yeah, that uh, that's what I found. It's a very simple promise. If you don't drink today and tomorrow, one day at a time, you will always have hope. And uh, I I can tell you from the day that I have not had a drink, I get up every morning. And I think it's going to be better. The people in my life that I love. Will have better opportunities. I'll have setbacks, but they'll have better opportunities, and uh, I will love them. How, how simple can it get? And that, that other notion, I have what I share. Uh, <laughs> what what a beautiful, simple, simple life. Whatever I possess is because of it. I shared it. Uh, peace, serenity, you know, goodwill. Not necessarily money. Not necessarily uh, good looks. <laughs> I long ago gave up on that department. Um, I don't worry about that. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in words. And that's one of the things I, I jumped at the opportunity to do this tonight with y'all. is because it, it gave me a chance to look up the words that are, that are significant. You look up the word hope. And uh, it's a beautiful word. Um, you know, it's a, it's a word that comes to us from a, from a German German background. You know, and the things that, that we, we, we hang on it. Cherishing a desire with anticipation, wanting something to happen, wanting something to be true. It's that belief that I'm in the present and I can I can fully expect great things to happen because I'm here and I'm fully present. And then this whole whole thing of discouragement, well, that's a French word. <laughs> you know, and it's got a whole different, whole different thing. It's it's completely opposite of, of hope. You lose courage. Isn't courage the ability to face a fear? Still do what has to be done. Do what's necessary in spite of the fear. Uh, courage is, is the gift of facing that fear and doing doing what's necessary. You don't have that when you're a drunk. You don't have it because fear, fear is what runs, is what is what, what your, your life is run on. You know, and all, all the synonyms for uh, discouragement, to chill, to daunt, to demoralize, dismay, to spirit, to frustrate, to unman, unnerve. Wow. Wouldn't I like a Wouldn't I like a bonus like that every day? Uh, it comes back. You know the the thing that comes out. And as I said, I've I've, I've made up, and I'm, I'm now consider myself a friend of Bill. I don't I don't hate his guts like I first did, and uh, the reason why I thought he was a smartass because uh, he had achieved a lot of wisdom, and uh, it didn't come easy. It didn't come like magic, and that was. Uh, one thing I really admire is that I have a I have a sister, a younger sister, who's got 34 years in the program. 
And uh, she and I are the only two family members who can really talk. I, I, I mentioned I had 11 brothers and sisters. So we can talk. And she talks about magical, magical period of our lives when we were drinking because we were totally unmoored. Uh, you know, I understand this notion of insanity. And I tell people when they go, oh, I, can't, I can't stand this meeting. And I go, well, you got to stick around. I notice the kid's got, you know, he's got like six or seven weeks now. You know, that 90 days is going to come up and he's going to stand up there and everybody's going to laugh and cheer. And then the headlights are going to come on in his eyes. And you don't want to miss that. That's, that's the greatest show on earth. So Beautiful. Really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the way you artfully dissected today's daily reflection and, and brought it right back. So I'm curious, though, it talks about keeping only what you share. Kevin, how do you share what you have? Uh, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. You're sitting there at a meeting, okay? And even in a Zoom, you get all these newcomers. And, you know, the group is actually, they're always happy and they're talking to each other. And you see, the Zoom, you see this new head pop up. And all you should do is call out, hey, Kristen or Christine or Jack. How you doing? And uh, remember what I said before about that laugh of recognition? The, you don't have to go any further than learn somebody's name, and repeat it back to them. The day I went to my second AA meeting is the day I knew I was gonna, I, I, I'd come to the right place. This, this crazy, insane guy walks up and goes, oh, you're Kevin, I remember you. Holy smokes. It, it doesn't take anything more, because when you're, when you're on the balls of your ass and you get into that room and, and, and you've been struggling, because we've all struggled, you know, that door, that door is like a 50-ton door. You know, the steps from the driveway or the parking lot or the street are, are you're, you're walking, you're walking up uh, Mount Everest. It's such a, such a hard, you get in and, you know, even in a Zoom meeting, you get there and someone looks at you and goes, hey, glad you made it. It's as simple as that. Uh, the opportunity, everybody goes, oh, I wonder, what can I do for services? You know, open up your eyes, look around and acknowledge someone. That's, that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And, uh, you know, you make yourself available. And my, my, my sponsor's best advice was when somebody asks you, uh, unless, unless you're going to your own wake, you should probably say yes. Okay. Unless, unless you've got something really important to do, you say yes. So can you make the coffee? Okay. Can you speak at this meeting? Can you run this meeting? Can you do this? And you just keep saying yes. You know, it's a big, it's a big mountain for these people to come in, to Zoom, figure out all the buttons and levers to push. And then ask somebody to run the meeting. And, and you see people in these Zoom meetings. Somebody takes charge. It rotates out. A new person comes in. And they're like, the people come in. They, 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 they make lots of mistakes. Everybody laughs. And they get over it and they move on. That's what creates a bond. You, know, you, just, you, you, do, you just keep showing up. And when I was drinking, I think that's the one thing I didn't do. I didn't show up. I just you know, didn't want to show up anywhere or do anything. It, isn't that what it's all about? You show up and... How do you pass it on? How do you share with somebody? How do, it's just, you just be you just be there, you know. Somebody just lost a relative. Uh, give them a phone call. Send them a note. It doesn't take a whole lot. Once you're engaged, once you get up in the morning, and you're engaged. You just you live that. So you know, if I want to, you know, <laughs> if I want to feel good, I, I share the, I share I share my good feelings. You, you just you open up. Uh, how can you not share what you have? How can you not share? If you if you show up and you open up, how can you not share? Explain. Mm. It's as simple as that, you know. So you, you get better at it. Um, there are days it's tough. There are days it's tough to show up, and uh, that's that's where that's where a couple of good prayers and a couple of good phone numbers come in. 
it, it just gets better and better. You know, this thing, uh, oh, the other word I like from today's reading, you know, I came to believe I have what I share when I encourage, I get courage. And I'm, I'm, and when I'm with others, with the grace of God, we trudge the road of happy destiny. Now, this is, this is the whole crux of this thing. Bill Wilson was the smart guy, educated guy, and uh, he uses words specifically. And uh, I'm, I'm very keen to that. Because the difference between then and now is that now I try and live an intentional life. Now, there's this there's this movement among uh, some groups of people to to have intentional you know, houses and communities, intentional communities where they live live with a purpose. But for me, just getting up, I have a purpose. I have an intention. So it's like, why when you're talking about the joys of sobriety, would you use the word trudge? Trudge means to walk slowly with heavy steps because of exhaustion or weariness. Why would he invite us to walk with each other and trudge the road of happy destiny? And you stop and think about that. Uh, you know, life, life is tough. Life is unfair. Nobody gets out alive. Where is the joy in that? Well, the joy in that is, is it's, it's there every day. If you show up and you engage with everyone, you help each other out. Because life, you know, life is tough. You have people with heart attacks and cancers. And, you know, and you had that going on before COVID-19. Uh, you know, people, have, you know. Our, our bodies wear out. Things go wrong. Um, you know, marriages don't last. Kids go off the rails. You know, kids don't, don't do what we like. That, that's life, folks. That's why it's more important than ever that we have, we have each other and we, we're there for each other. So, yeah, trudging the road of, of life, yeah, that's what it is. It's not, it's not a cakewalk. I mean, everybody talks about the pink cloud of early sobriety and, you know, it's, you know, Pink is the color of the dawn and, and the new day. And we get, we get that. We get that. We get that each day. The day goes on. Our life goes on. And, uh, and you know, as they say, uh, life happens. The good, the bad, the indifferent. And uh, we just keep walking because uh, we trudge that, uh, that road of happy destiny together. That was an incredible share, Kevin. I feel incredibly moved by it, quite honestly. Is there is there anything that you would want to tell, like like your number one gem that you would want to give to the newcomer um, that might be listening today? I mean, you said a, a lot uh, to the newcomer, but one thought. Wow. The, the one thing I would tell them is it's right here. Don't be discouraged. Relax. It, will, it, it gets better. Keep coming. And then I look at them and say, I actually need to see you next. I, I said, I've seen, I've seen you. I've seen your face. If you don't come back, I'll go look for you for the rest of my life. And I don't know of any more powerful way I can tell someone that we are total strangers, but you are—you have become the most important person in my life right now. If, if I don't see your face again, I will look for it for the rest of my life. Kevin, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Special thanks to Kevin for joining us today. And thanks to all of you, the listeners. Truly appreciate your support. If you want to join us online, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. Love to see you there joining the conversation. You can find us on Twitter at daily reflector. You can read about recovery in our blog at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Thanks everyone. Have a great day.